So we're doing the last part of what every believer needs to know about false ministries. What every believer needs to know about false ministries. And this is part four. This is part four. This is the finale. Number 14, demonic spirits can say true biblical statements. If you haven't been part of this series, maybe you came last week for the first time and you'd missed this series, please catch up by way of the internet on gochurch.co.za. So I'm going to carry on from point number 14. Altogether, it's 22 things every believer needs to know about false ministries. Demonic spirits can say true biblical statements. How many of you know that? So just because someone says something that's a true biblical statement does not mean that it's coming from the right spirit. Someone can say something that is written in the Bible. The devil used to quote scripture when he tried to tempt Jesus. He was quoting scripture, but it was the devil himself. Amen? So you can't say to me, no, 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 that ministry is really fine because look, they're preaching the word. Are you following me today? And some people say, oh, but why are you guys preaching this? Surely it's a negative thing you're preaching. Okay, not too many people have said that to me. But very often when we preach against something or we warn the church about something or someone, people are like, no, you're being negative. You know, there's this whole thing that has crept into the body of Christ about being positive about everything. If negative things are happening to your kids at school, you have to warn them about it. If there are things like drugs in the schools, mainly the high schools today, and you say, son, be careful, don't use drugs, you know, be careful, son, people are going to give you sweets. Don't take a sweet from a, from a, from a stranger. I was about to say a foreigner. I'm, I'm a foreigner myself. I think some people say that. Don't take a sweet from a foreigner. <laughs> I'm not xenophobic, definitely not. <laughs> I've probably been a victim of xenophobia. But the point is, we warn our children about these things. Why do we warn them? Because we want to save them. We want to rescue them. Amen? So in the same way, if we are responsible as pastors, we need to speak to people in our congregations and say, guys, be careful about this. That's the loving thing to do. Other reason why we need to preach series like this, and we won't do this all the time because it does become a bit draining, but we need to do this because it's messing up for the genuine stuff. So people are saying, we don't believe in miracles anymore because you guys just do fake stuff. Amen? I was at a music store, a well-known music store, where, where you purchase, not CDs, but where you purchase musical instruments. I was there a couple of days ago, and the guy, we needed to make an instant payment, and I was explaining, we can't do it instant right away, you know, but here's the proof of payment. I said, here's the proof of payment. We can't do it instant right now. And then he said, you know what? We've been conned by many people before. That's why we need it as an instant payment. And he started unpacking what he's been through. And then he said to me, you know what? As musicians and people who have music stores, one of the things which we know that's common knowledge is we have to be careful of churches. And I said, that messes up for us. And of course, I was now overcompensating because some of us aren't fake. We're genuine. And if we say we've paid you, it means we've paid you. And I'm even preaching about this right now. I started telling him, I said, look here, got onto the website, showed him, you know, <laughs> false ministries. You see, there are the false ministries out there, but we're not false. <laughs> anyway, we connected. Long story short, he was, it was fine. He believed me and so on. And we got the thing we got. But the point I'm trying to make is that it's messing up. What's happening out there is messing up for the people who are trying to serve God genuinely. Amen? It's bad marketing for the church. So demonic spirits can say true biblical statements. In Acts chapter 16, verse 16 to 19, it says, Once when we were going to the place of prayer. It's amazing how so many things happen when you're going to the place of prayer. Just look in scripture, the number of times throughout the book of Acts where they say, when we were going to the place of prayer, when we we're coming from the place of prayer, interesting things happened. What happens in your life when you're about to pray? Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. 
Many people go to fortune tellers. Many people go to dodgy people out there. Many people go to so-called prophets, so-called pastors, but they don't realize that these people, a lot of them are prophesying by another spirit. He didn't say the Holy Spirit. He says by a spirit, right? Now watch this. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. So she was a slave girl, and the reason she was enslaved is because of the money she was making for her owners. Be very careful when people try to own you, even companies that you work for, because very often it's linked to mammon. It's linked to a demonic spirit that is full of greed and materialistic and just wanting to make money. And that's why we see very often with false ministries, there's always a money trail. There's always money somewhere along the line. You see that, okay? Money that is ill-gained. And what is interesting is they stay on in that practice of deception as long as they can make money. And, as, and when there's no more money to be made, different tactics are used. So it says she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God. Was that true, what she was saying? It was true, right? Who are telling you the way to be saved. Now, it is interesting because how many of you, if you had a ministry and you had someone shouting and screaming, amen, amen, we love you, pastor. What you're saying is true. Hey, guys, listen to this guy. He's a true man of God. How many of you would want to even hire that person to do marketing for you? But we have to be able to pick up by what spirit are they saying it? Amen? There are people who can flatter you. There are people who can sing your praises. But by what spirit are they doing so? And I find this interesting because it says she kept this up for many days. You know why I find it interesting? I find it interesting because... Paul didn't address it immediately. Some of us, we hear messages like this, and already, like the moment we see signs of something, we're accusing people, judging people, kicking them out of church, and so on. But it's interesting because it says, she kept this up for many days. And then finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. I find it very interesting that he let this thing happen for some time, right? And at a certain point, he then uprooted it by casting out that particular spirit. That's interesting for me. Because when you hear messages like this, don't now become this zealot where your main mission in life is to correct everyone in the workplace concerning false ministries. This message is primarily for you so that you are aware of these things. And you can download the message, download the PDFs, and pass on to your friends and family so that they're also aware of it. But our focus should always be Jesus. Our focus should always be, let me grow as a disciple myself. Amen? I find it interesting that this person was just moving around, moving around with them. With them. But saying things from a different spirit until he was so annoyed by it. My question to you is, what annoys you? Would you have been able to pick, this, pick up this contrary spirit and rebuke it? Are there certain things that are happening around you that are from a different spirit, a spirit of darkness, but you're so enmeshed in it, so used to it, you can't pick it up anymore? How many of you know that sometimes when you hang around darkness for so long, you become used to it? And you end up questioning yourself, thinking, maybe it's okay, maybe it's fine. Paul was very gracious to this particular woman, but at, this girl, the slave girl, but at a certain point, he got so annoyed. Sometimes when you're annoyed, it's not an annoyance of the flesh. You're annoyed because it's a contrary spirit and it doesn't agree with your spirit that's born again. Amen? There are times you go into a certain environment and you're like, there was just something not quite right in that meeting. Oh, Paul, when I meet with this person, whenever I meet with them, it's like my spirit doesn't agree with that individual. Have you been in that place before? We need to be sensitive spiritually when it comes to these things. Many of us would have been in this situation having this lady just saying, cool, 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 and we'll be like, yes, 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 keep praising us. 
Keep helping us with our marketing. We appreciate it. Thank you, my sister. Here's a thank offering for you. Many of us would do that. But Paul was annoyed. Amen? Then it goes on to say, when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. It's amazing what people do, hey? When they God money, when they God money is no longer in the picture, when they feel like they're about to lose it, then now they want to take you to the authorities. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And often this is what makes people pursue darkness. Let's guard our hearts when it comes to these things. And as you see different ministries, just remember, just because someone has taught something well and has quoted scripture doesn't actually validate their ministry. Amen. That's why the Bible says, test all spirits. Test all spirits. Number 15. In ministry, there are complexities that come with what we call, what I call mixture. Mixture. So this is a complex thing. It's not simple. It's not easy for you to just say, this is a true ministry and this is a false ministry. Do you know why? Because very often, even in false ministries, you've got some people that are genuinely born again. They're just deceived. Amen? Even in what we call sects, there's some sects that believe funky stuff. You'll have a handful of people there that are genuinely born again. So we have to be careful when we then write off a ministry, okay, completely. To say that's a false ministry. No, very often there are false elements in a ministry. Are you following? There are certain ministries, so-called ministries, that are pure cults, and they don't actually believe in salvation. They've got a different perspective of salvation. Then you can say, that's a cult, but when we're talking about false ministries where people think they're going to church, but there's deception, there's lack of character in the leaders, very often you'll find that there will be a number of people there who are genuinely born again, but they're just deceived. So don't think to yourself, like, because person X goes to that other false prophet's church, it means they're not really saved. Are you hearing me? So often it actually works on a bit of a continuum, on a bit of a continuum. So you'll have someone... And I'm just going to say A. I'm going to call them A. It's a born-again, spirit-filled minister. Right? Then you've got B, born again, but they function and minister sometimes in the spirit and sometimes in the flesh. You see that happening, right? They're born again, but they sometimes minister in the spirit and they sometimes minister in the flesh. Then you've got level C, where they're born again, but they're demonized and they're under the influence of contrary spirits. Now, some people say, but no, if you're born again, you can't have a demonic spirit oppressing you. You can. You can pretty much have whatever you want. That's, you won't be 100% demonized where your spirit is demonized because your spirit is born again. But you can be under the influence of contrary spirits. Okay? And then D, these are people who are unsaved. Ministers who are actually unsaved. They've never been saved and they're severely demonized, and they continuously function under a contrary spirit. They won't follow that. There's a bit of a continuum there. Sometimes we have situations where people fall. They fall into sin and all sorts of things. And we were actually just chatting yesterday, and we were saying, are some of these people born again? We're having a chat with Pastor Michael. And my wife and Pastor Fads, we're just talking about these things, and we're wondering... Sometimes you'll see someone there leading prayer meetings, doing a lot of powerful things. And then next minute you look at their lifestyle and you actually start to question and wonder, is this person actually born again? Are you hearing me? So I will share with you what I think. There are a lot of Christians who are on this continuum. But there are a lot of Christians, so-called Christians, who came to church and because of mental assent, they said, yes. Yes, of course, in their head it made sense to follow Jesus, but their heart was never changed. Just because someone comes up for an altar call doesn't mean they're actually saved. You get what I'm saying, right? You can come up for an altar call, we call it mental assent, where you're like, mm, yes, but there was never lordship. Your life was never completely surrendered to the lordship of Jesus Christ. 
Now, if you look in scripture, it says, if you, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus doesn't want to just be your savior. He also wants to be your Lord. Amen? The Greek word is kouros. It's a very strong word, and it's basically talking about Lord, Master, King over you. And that's what God wants to do. So there's a lot of mixture in the church today. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 15 to 18, it says, It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. This is what we're seeing a lot of. You know when people are just focused on being successful. I want to have a successful ministry. That very often when we desire to be successful and, it's, and we're full of selfish ambition, often it's actually rooted in envy. I've had situations where I'll speak to another pastor and I'll share with them some breakthrough. Or I will say I was invited to speak at that great church in such and such a country. And then I look at the pastor's countenance and he doesn't seem that excited. Doesn't seem to be rejoicing with me. I remember one guy, I, I passed on a book of mine to him. And the first thing he said to me is, Hey, Pastor Paul, what are you doing to us? Hey, you're making us feel like we're not doing anything. What I'm saying is if that individual is now motivated to start writing books, he's doing it from a place of envy, from a wrong place. Are you hearing me? Ask yourself the things you are pursuing, are you pursuing them for the right reason? All right? What God has called me to do is not the same what God has called other people to do. We have to run our own race. Amen? And so it's interesting because Paul here says, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. Why do you do what you do? Pastors listening to this message, why do you do what you do? Are you trying to do what brother so-and-so across the road has been called to do? There'll be no grace available for that. Grace is only made available for your assignment. For every kingdom assignment that God has given you, there's grace, there's heavenly resources made available. But if you try to do what I'm called to do, there's no grace for that. And you won't enjoy your ministry. Amen? The latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition. Let me just clarify something. There's nothing wrong with being ambitious. Ambition is to do with desire to achieve. It's when you want to achieve greatness. The problem is when it's selfish. The problem is when your motive is, I'm doing it for me and for my glory. Amen? The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. Verse 18, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. Can you see Paul's higher value here? His thing was, you know what, guys? Let's keep preaching the gospel. We can't control all these false ministries that start up because this one is jealous of this one. This one is envious of that one. This one wants to make money. We can't control that. Let's focus on the gospel. And the big thing is, yes, that guy preaching over there is very extreme when it comes to prosperity. But when it comes to the actual gospel, you know what? He's got it right, guys. And people are getting born again. It's fine. Let me focus on this. That's what Paul is saying. Amen? That's the bigger picture. So don't make it your life mission now to go and correct every ministry out there. Because sometimes you will experience backlash and you yourself might not accomplish what God has called you to accomplish. Amen? So he says, and because of this, I rejoice. Because of this, I rejoice. And that's why it's sad for me, some of the books that have come out over the years and I don't want to mention them, but there's certain people who are secessionists. They don't believe in miracles. They believe that the miracles ended in the apostolic age with the early church. And they've written very strong books against charismatics. And unfortunately, some of those books have caused so much division in the body of Christ. The fact of the matter, guys, is there'll be Christians who don't always believe in exactly what you and I believe. 
And we've probably made mistakes here and there where we haven't got our theology 100% accurate, you know. Maybe we emphasize certain things we shouldn't emphasize. We're all learning, amen? And we're all growing. Don't make it your mission now to go out and just slate every ministry out there. Ask yourself, are they preaching the gospel? If they're preaching the gospel, you know what? At least it's the gospel. Amen? So miracles can happen through people that have major character flaws. That's the thing I want to share. Miracles can still happen through people that have major character flaws. Because they're somewhere along the line in that continuum in terms of true ministry and false ministry. Okay? Romans 11 verse 29 says, For, the, for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. What does that word irrevocable mean? To revoke is to do what? It's to take something back that you had given. God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. For some of you, you are like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your grace. While some of you are like, ah, but that's not fair, Lord. So you mean like you won't revoke the calling over pastor so-and-so who's a dodgy character, right? But that's what the Bible says. I like it in the NLT. It says, for God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. Who's encouraged by that? Who's got this self-righteous thing where they're feeling like, ah, no, but Lord, for that person over there who's conning many people, surely you can withdraw the calling. <laughs> okay? Yeah. So some people were genuinely called by God. Then they got into the flesh. And things are still happening in their ministry. Now, I'm not going to go deep into it right now because at a certain point, the glory does lift and it's now another spirit that functions. But there's a season where you actually see it, the anointing is still there and people are still being touched. Why? God loves people. God loves people. Sometimes God sees someone who's gone there and is like, I really want to be healed. I really want to be healed. And God can still use that person despite the person's character flaws. Are you following this morning? At a certain point, the glory lifts, but I'm not going to preach on that right now. At a certain point, the glory lifts, and the deeper and deeper the person goes into the flesh, you see that it becomes a stronghold in their lives, and then the glory of God departs, and another spirit comes. And you start seeing this person, he started in the flesh, and now he's actually being helped by demons to do what he's doing. Okay? That's what happens. Number 16. People can change for the worse. Okay? People can change. Just because someone started off well, it doesn't mean that they'll end well. You know, you've got a lot of people who will say, ah, but I know that person, we had varsity together, and he was genuine. Doesn't mean the person is still genuine now. Ah, no, we were at Bible school together, and he would ask many questions, and he was the top student doesn't mean they're still in that same space now. Okay? And again, this is something for us to watch out for. Galatians 3, verse 1 to 3 says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Now the context there is talking about legalism. He's talking about legalism. People started in the Spirit and then became legalists. But you know that this is true. For all believers, you can start in the spirit and end up in the flesh. And as you go deeper into works of the flesh, if you continue reading in the book of uh, Galatians, you'll see that one of the works of the flesh is actually witchcraft. It's actually witchcraft. It's a work of the flesh. So when we talk about ending up in the flesh, we're not just talking about being a fleshly, soulish Christian. We're also talking about someone ending up even in witchcraft. It starts in the flesh. Look at it in the book of Galatians. It talks about deeds of the flesh. And it goes deep into it. I want to encourage you. Are there aspects of your life where you've become fleshly? 
Are there aspects of your ministry where you've become full of the flesh? What are some of the deeds of the flesh? It's envy. It's selfish ambition. It's, com- it's unhealthy competitiveness. There's nothing wrong with being competitive, by the way. It's actually a strength, being competitive. When that strength is overused, you end up this person who has to win at all costs. That's not good. Amen? That's why, that's why sports people end up taking steroids and so on. One guy was being interviewed and they said, why? Why did you do this? He was a sprinter and he says, you know what? People out there, they want to see you doing sub 10. They don't want to see you doing 10-0 something. They want to see you doing under 10. So did you take steroids just because of what people out there want to see? That's flesh. But you know that it also happens in the church where pastors are like, people want to see miracles. People want to see miracles. And they will do whatever it takes to manufacture that. Amen? That's the flesh. So it's important to understand that people can change and become worse than what they were at the start. You know what's so sad? This is true when it comes to marriage. Some people see their husbands acting in funny ways or their wives acting in funny ways. And the first thing is, did I marry the wrong person? Did I make a mistake? The person could have been genuinely wonderful. And then they backslid. At the time when you got married to them, they were wonderful. But then they backslid. And here's the scary thing. You can't control that. Right now, what, what, what will happen if I suddenly backslide? My wife will think, did I not see it? Am I crazy? Did Paul, what? No, Paul was genuinely a great guy who started off in the spirit. And at some point he got into the flesh. People change. Are you hearing me this morning? Pastors can change. Sorry, don't get, I'm just using it as an example. (laughs) People are like, are you about to tell us something? (laughs) No, it's scary. There's some pastors who stop, they stop being Christian. They actually say, "Ah, you know what, my ideas have changed, guys. Anyone want to, who's first, you know, in, soccer, in, in sport when we're growing up, we'll say, first after knock, first after knock, you know, when you are, whoever's knocked out, hey, first after knock, hey, Mr. Bishop, do you guys want to? The point is people change. Number 17, false ministries will always have an attractive, enticing element. They'll always have an attractive, enticing element. The first thing I want to say here is often people are attracted to the power. Right? They're attracted to the power. Be very careful of demonic power. Because what happens with demonic power is sometimes people go to certain dodgy people. And they think they got healed. But if it's a spirit of divination, a contrary spirit operating... The devil can't actually heal. He can't bring anything good. So you know what very often will take place? The sickness moves. So someone thinks thinks they've been healed of cancer. Two years down the line, they find they've got all sorts of other things that are even worse. One of the ways you know you're dealing with a spirit of infirmity if the sickness keeps moving. And whenever you go to the doctor, the doctor says, we don't see anything wrong with you. One moment you're coming for prayer and you're saying, it's my back. The next day, I think I've got ulcers. I feel this pain here. Then then, then we pray for you and you say, what's happening? Ah, it's moving. Now it's migraines. Then you start knowing there's a spirit of infirmity that's causing different things there. And we need to rebuke it. We need to bind it and cast it out. Are you hearing me? There's a powerful testimony. Some of you might be familiar with Fiona Desfontaine. She leads a church in um, Durban, in Pinetown called His Church, great church there. But Fiona Desfontaine years ago used to be a spiritist. She was from a great family, family that wanted to do good things, but they didn't think it was wrong. Her dad was a spiritist, and they thought, oh, it's all fine. And so she used to, it's basically people who who heal. Sorry, I heard someone said, what's a spiritist? It's it's, It's people who heal, but not by the Holy Spirit, okay? They'll be using dodgy new age stuff, okay? And blanket term is spiritist, okay? But they're different types. So anyway, um, there were people who she supposedly healed. This is before she got born again, right? She did some research on all those people that she had supposedly healed, and she found something interesting. 
she found that all of them, all of them, this is after a number of years, she found that all of them were either dead or had, they had something worse now. So be very careful of people who jump up and down and say, I went to that prophet, that false prophet, I went to this person and look, I'm fine. Just ask them how they're doing three years down the line. You get what I'm saying? And it's important to also do that even, even with us, with pastors here. Because very often people are healed and there's a wonderful anointing in ministry and so on, but we don't disciple them how to maintain their healing. So there are wonderful testimonies on TV about it. And then when you do the research afterwards, you see that, oh, only a handful of those people remained well. Are you following this morning? Okay. So you cannot separate deliverance from discipleship. That's why when we do deliverance with people, we also want to explain to them, this is how you keep your healing. This is how you keep your deliverance. Oh, pastor, I've got a problem with lust. Can you just rebuke a spirit of lust? We can rebuke a spirit and then many others come. Seven more, worse. If you aren't renewing your mind in that area. Amen? So don't just come for prayer for healing. Also come and get material from us so that you understand how to keep your healing. Because I'm telling you right now, after we pray for you, what happens? Symptoms try to come again. And then you say, ah, so the prayer didn't work and then you just accept it. Instead of knowing how to rebuke that sickness. Amen? That's very important. Jeremiah 23 verse 16. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Do not listen to what the prophets are prophesying to you. They fill you with false hopes. Remember I said to you that false ministries tend to be attractive and enticing. Do not listen to what the prophets are prophesying to you. They fill you with false hopes. That's why a lot of these prophets, they never say the bad stuff. A lot of them, they'll tell you what you want to hear. It says, they speak visions from their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. One of the big tests is this, in terms of false ministries, are they challenging you to live right? Or, they, or do they just tell you how you're going to make your next million? Do you ever hear them talking about righteousness? Do you ever hear them talking about loving your wife more? Submitting to your husband. Do you ever hear them talking about that? Or are they talking about the next, I was about to say Benz. <laughs> the next Benz you're going to get. <laughs> okay. Luke chapter 6 verse 26 says, Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. For that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. So being popular with people doesn't validate your ministry. Being able to say, what are the, um, what do they call them when people are being elected, like in the U.S., and they look at the polls? What are they saying concerning you? How popular are you with people? That's not an indication of the validity of your ministry. Amen? How many crowds are following you? That's not an indication of the validity of your ministry. Amen? Number 18. Satan uses agents that pretend to be true ministers. This is very important. Satan actually uses agents that pretend to be true ministers. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, it says, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers. In other words, they con people. How many of you have been conned before, in general? Conned by a dude conned by relatives, just conned, conned by a boss at work. How does it feel? I remember when I was at Varsity in the 90s, there's a guy who came to the house I was staying at. There were a number of us staying there, about five of us or so. And there's a guy who comes and he, he, he acts like he knows the person who, who was our domestic worker there. And he, say, he claimed to be the younger brother. And he says, yeah, no, she just asked if um, you can actually give um, her her pay, you know, uh, and I'll pass it on to her. And he had a whole story like he knew her well. And so we got a bit of cash together and we gave this guy the cash so he can give his sister, who wasn't around at the time. Then afterwards when his sister came back, <laughs> you know, then we said to her, hey, so 
Yeah, so you know, so you got the money, right? We paid you your brother. Well, uh, I haven't got a brother around here. Brother? Brother? What brother? <laughs> and I remember that feeling. You know that feeling where while you're talking to the person, you, you're convinced. It's almost like you're under this cloud. This How many of you? Is it just me who's been conned? Huh? Ladies, when a guy cons you. But he seemed so sweet, so nice. And then you start hearing the stories. Then the stories start emerging. And usually your girlfriends don't want to tell you. Your girlfriends don't want to tell you, ladies, because they're like, ah, she'll think we're jealous, but we know this about that dude. We know that about that dude, but she'll think we're just being jealous. So we're just going to keep quiet. That's not being a true friend. Huh? So we've all been conned. And this is what actually happens. Sometimes it's actually a spirit, eh? Where while you're being conned, it's like there's this veil over you. You literally can't think straight. Then the moment it's happened, you just, what happened? What if it's not the person? What is not? You're conned. <laughs> now, we laugh about this and we warn people about con artists around. But it's happening in the church today. Crowds following people. And there's hard evidence saying your pastor is having multiple affairs. The women are coming out saying, oh, we've been abused. It's all there. And I, 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 let me just stop. We've got situations where people come to, but, but this friend of mine was counseling them, came to me counseling. Another friend will say, I was counseling this girl. There was this girl who was abused by Pastor X. So we're not talking about far-fetched stories. Amen? That situations. Ah, oh, pastor, what do we do? My sister, yeah, that pastor X bought a fridge for her now. He's buying her things. And yeah, what do I do? My sister is having an affair with pastor X. Well-known pastors. But you'll see people in the church. I know that's between him and God. Yeah, because this is my man of God. I'll never go against him. This is my man of God. Yeah, we mustn't judge. We mustn't judge. <laughs> Don't judge, pastor. Don't judge. You should actually look at the Bible when it talks about judging. Because the Bible actually says, like, you guys should be judging these things within the church and not out at courts out there. So there's a type of judging that should actually happen in the church. Anyway. So it says, for such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their actions. You know that word masquerade in Greek culture, what would they do? They would have these masked balls. How many of you have been to those masked balls where you've got a thing over you like this? You've watched all those Shakespearean things and so on, right? Where they've got a thing over them like this and so on. How can you con people that way? People can see it's you and you've just got this mask thing. But the point is, the person ends up looking like they're genuine, but they're not. Because if the devil just pitches up and say, says, I'm a big fat demon. I'm out to get you and to deceive you. So that you no longer come to church and you just live another life. I want you to become bitter with God. But I'm actually straight from the pit of hell. You won't listen. So they masquerade as an angel of light. Amen. Number 19, occultic covenants come at a great cost. Covenants of the occult come at a great cost. How many of you have spoken to people who've been Satanists before? <laughs> I could see the way Tabs raised his hand. It's like, it's, you know, I know Tabs has got that competitive life. Yes, I have. I have a type of thing. All right. But here's the thing. 
Here's the thing. Very often people who try to leave Satanism, they talk about how it's so difficult. Because the people want you back and they say, if you leave, this is what will happen to you, A, B, C, D. So you end up tied into it. It comes at a cost. You see, what certain men of God are doing today, I say men of God, but I'm meaning men and women, but mainly men, but there are also a lot of women who've been deceived. What they're doing is they're doing what we call augmenting their gift. So some of them start off with a genuine gift and then they augment it because they're so desperate in the flesh to be successful. And you see some of them, they go, I won't mention the name of the country, but some of them go to a particular country. It's not Nigeria. Those of you who are thinking Nigeria, it's not actually Nigeria, but not far from there. They go there, and they, people go to different places, but one of the places is a particular nation where they go, and they, they're making certain covenants with darkness there. And then when they come back, all of a sudden, it's like things explode in their ministry. And if you actually followed their ministry, you'd be like, how did this happen? Was there evangelism? Was there outreach? Was there discipleship? You say, what's going on here? How come overnight, you were doing miracles, a few here, a few there. How come overnight now, you've quantum leapt? What happened? And sadly, some of them are going to certain places and making covenants with darkness there. And I can't even repeat in front of the camera the nature of those covenants of darkness. But it's extremely immoral, and that's the cost. And the scary thing is to remain in that, because there's now pressure to perform, hey? You can't be doing a whole lot of miracles for two years, and then all of a sudden things have dried up. And they continue doing certain things. It's covenants with darkness. At what cost? At what cost? That's why we have the term selling your soul to the devil. It's not nice having to preach about these things, but I'm just wanting you to know that that's what's happening. Now, they come at a great cost. You know that Jesus was also tempted, but he resisted. And it's exactly the same thing that's happening today. Luke chapter 4, verse 1 to 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. The Spirit of God can lead you into wilderness times, by the way. Spirit of God doesn't always lead you into Everything is all cool, instant everything. Sometimes the Spirit will lead you into time that's wilderness, a wilderness season. Anyway, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. I always find this part funny. And at the end of them, he was hungry. (laughs) Did he only become hungry at the end, (laughs) okay, (laughs) on the 40th day? Anyway, all right. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. This is what's happening to a lot of pastors out there. If you are a true man of God, then you should be doing A, B, C, D. But the person isn't yet anointed enough to do those things. So they start manufacturing it. Are you hearing me? All right. If you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him high, led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. Please understand this morning, the devil is still doing this to pastors, to prophets, to apostles, to Christians. Still doing this. And many people are falling for it. Sometimes we've got this thing where we've heard this account so many times. We think it was some special temptation thing that Jesus only was going through. No. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Today we've got actors and actresses who've fallen for this. Sometimes we watch certain movies And there's a dodgy scene that's just put there. It doesn't even follow the storyline. And we're wondering, why have they put this scene there? Because Hollywood told them, hey, if you want this to really fly, you need to put this there. 
It's not necessarily like Satan appears to someone and, you know, they see a vision of the devil. It's very subtle. Hey, if you, hey, if you want this record deal, I mean, if you musicians, if you want this record deal, do, you know, Desire, you're a good-looking guy. People need to see you as a sex symbol. You know what I'm saying, right? We need to see the ladies there. That's what happens. I desire when you cut that album now, we can't have you just singing there, you know, doing like holy songs there, looking straight. You know, you need to just, you know, that will take you to the gym a bit, you know what I'm saying? And we'll give you some, you know, need to show those rippling muscles off and so on and have a few honeys around you and so on. It's the same. And then when people make those covenants, in the natural, it looks like a signed contract with that wonderful record company, recording company. Then the devil is like, ha, this will do my work. Let me anoint it. And then you see the person selling, 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 selling records. Okay, nowadays, it's not records, but you know, that's the language we use in the industry, records. You know, sales, record sales. Amen? Sometimes you watch these movies and you're wondering, why are they using the Lord's name in vain like this? It was a wonderful movie that our kids could also watch, but they're using the Lord's name in vain like this. It's so unnecessary. Covenants with darkness. Amen? Covenants with darkness. So it comes at a great cost. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift up their hands and protect you basically, right? And then Jesus goes on to say, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Very often, people don't preach that last bit. They don't preach about that. Until an opportune time. In other words, Jesus went through this temptation again. Are you hearing me? So what are the opportunities for the enemy? That's an opportune time. For some pastors, it's when the church isn't giving. If someone is a pastor and they rely financially on a church, bitterness kicks in. They're not giving. They're not giving. So if they're not giving then why should I be reading my Bible? Why should I be praying? Why should I be having clear boundaries with females and so on? And then they relax and they fall into sin. Amen? They're tempted. What are the opportune times for you? For some people, the opportunities for the enemy against them, it's when, you, it's when they're feeling lonely. It's when they're feeling stressed out. Stress is a big thing today. You see, we're talking about these false ministries, but we need to be guarding ourselves. Think of the times when you've done stuff that you shouldn't have done. You know the pattern in your life. You know when it happens. Maybe it's when your self-esteem is very low. Think about it for Jesus. If his self-esteem was very low, he would have been trying to prove a point. Because the devil was like, if you're really the son of God, then do this, perform. Remember at this stage, he hadn't done miracles yet. He'd just been baptized in the Jordan. So maybe that was the thing going on in Jesus' head. Okay, I heard that voice. The father affirmed me. Right? Maybe I now need to prove something to people. My brothers don't believe in me. I want to call these disciples and do all sorts of things, but I'm not yet performing a whole lot of miracles yet. And the devil is coming in with the counterfeit. And what I find amazing is after Jesus overcame this temptation, what happened? It says he went out in the power of the Spirit. When you resist the enemy, that's when the power comes. Amen? Sometimes we go through tests in our lives, but after the test, we are promoted. Think about it. When you are studying at school, did you go to the next grade if you hadn't passed the previous one? At least you shouldn't have. Okay? <laughs> you shouldn't have. Right? Could you go to university and do the exams at university if you hadn't passed your matric? No. There are levels God wants to take us to, but we have to pass the tests at this level. Amen? Unfortunately, a lot of false ministries who augment their ministries are trying to bypass 
these tests. Comes at a great cost. Comes at a great cost. Number 20, false ministries always exploit people. False ministries will always exploit people. You see, there's the power dynamic at play. Your powerlessness relative to the leader is highlighted. And it encourages the dependency syndrome. And one of the things you see in a lot of these false ministries, what we're calling them false ministries, is the man of God is really super elevated, like they've got superhuman powers that you can never have. There's already a problem there. Because if you look at the ministry of Jesus, Jesus says, anyone who believes in me, the works that you see me doing, you'll do greater. Only requirement is believe in me. Amen? So Jesus' heart is, he wanted the guys to do better than he had done. Isn't that wonderful? He wasn't secure. He, didn't ha- he wasn't insecure. He didn't have this mindset that says like, oh, you're trying to be the Messiah now. The Father heart of God, he wants you to excel. You know, my kids, it often confuses them because sometimes they'll come to me and say, ah, oh, but dad, I think I'm faster than you were. Ah, oh, dad, at what point do you think I'll be stronger than you? When I turn what age? And my heart is, I want that process to be fast-tracked. I want you to do better. Amen? I know what my times were for sprints, for long jump, when I was a certain age. And I'm comparing, I'm wanting to see, okay, Sammy, you're getting to that age now, I want to see what you'll do. And I'm honestly hoping he will be better. Because it's boring if he's worse. It's kind of like, okay, the next generation isn't progressing. Amen? That's a father heart. Now you look at some of these false ministries, the moment someone else tries to do miracles, it's like, oh, that's, that's for the man of God. What are you trying to do? Are you trying to steal his thunder? Amen? I want guys to come up and preach powerful messages from here. Amen? I want to hear stories and testimonies that we went to Tembisa and this person who was lame, look, they're now walking. I want guys to be sent out from here and establish churches that explode. Amen? And one day I can just be sitting back, writing books, sharing revelation and so on. Uh, and all these churches are just flourishing and things are happening. And I'm just like walking in and I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Thanks, guys. Amen? If there's that thing in you that doesn't want the next generation to do better, that's the flesh. It's your flesh. They exploit people. I told you about that one so-called prophet guy who was saying, guys, even if you fast for seven days, you won't be able to do this one. What's being communicated there? Very subtly, I, am, I was just born different. And I'll always be better than you. So don't even try. Remain dependent on me. So that was John 14, 12, where Jesus says that you will do greater works. I like his heart in Luke chapter 10, verse 17 to 21. The 72 returned with joy. He had sent out 72 disciples. Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in the book, um, are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. Jesus spun around. That's what that word actually means. He rejoiced in the spirit concerning that particular breakthrough. Amen? Are we doing the same thing? It's the measure of leadership. Great leaders raise other leaders. 
It's one thing to be a leader who just has followers. It's another thing to be a leader of leaders. Amen? This is so powerful. You know, Jesus empowered his disciples. One of, the, one of the reasons I like John G. Lake. Remember John G. Lake? John G. Lake. He was used greatly at the turn of the last century, right? Used really greatly and came also to Africa. That's how the AFM church was actually birthed, right? M many, 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 many miracles. But what I liked about him was that he trained up others to do the same thing. You know, in uh, Spokane, Washington, in a period of five years, there were 100,000 recorded healings. 100,000. They had hundreds of healing rooms. And they had what they called healing technicians who had been trained up in the ministry of healing. Right? At some point, that particular city, Spokane, was declared the healthiest city in the U.S. All right? And we need to do that to raise up the next generation. Number 21. False ministries thrive on hidden secrets and revelation. If you look at a lot of the cults that have started, there'll always be one person who says, I was up on a mountain and I was by myself. No one else was there. And there was this angel that spoke to me. Now that angel could have been a demon, right? And probably was, right? And then that's how these cults were birthed. If you, start, if you look at the Mormon church, the Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints, in the 1800s, it was started by a guy called Joseph Smith, based on revelation that he got. But look at scripture, guys. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. It says, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. I'm not going to unpack the scripture, but the point I'm just making is, when you get lots of revelations, you can become puffed up. And pride becomes deceitful because sometimes those revelations aren't necessarily from God. And we see this happening with a lot of the cults that were started. So many of them. So many of them. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 to 21, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Okay? The principle here is there's no private interpretation of prophecy. In other words, you can't say, I got this revelation and this is what I believe it means and no one else can input into that. Amen? The Bible says we must test all spirits. So a lot of people have started churches based on a private interpretation of a revelation that they got. And they didn't get input from other prophets and apostles. And they weren't submitted. And we found that that thing that starts off as a sect becomes a cult and many people were led astray. We see it happening a lot. Always ask yourself when you're receiving ministry from someone, ask yourself, who can challenge this person? Ladies, how many of you feel secure when you know that there are other men in your husband's lives? There are other men who can speak into their life. You feel secure, don't you? How do you feel? I've had women complain. They'll say, Pastor, you know what the problem is? My husband won't listen to anyone. He's too proud. He won't listen to his pastor. He won't listen to his friends. There's no one in his life who can speak to him. So you've got a lot of people who've started these false ministries. And when you really look at it, there's no accountability. There's no one who actually speaks into their lives. They've got a weak wife. Can I say that? On Mother's Day. They've got a weak wife who's also been conned by the guy. And there's no one who challenges that person. So let's watch out for that. Amen. There's nothing that beats the word of God, guys. Just stick to the word. And then finally, number 22. Miracles do not validate a ministry. Miracles do not validate a ministry. Yeah, a lot of people saying, but, but if you're saying he's preaching false doctrine, then pastor, how come that person was healed? Miracles don't validate a ministry. Why am I saying this? Matthew 24, verse 24. For false messiahs and false prophets, plural, will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive if possible, even the elect. So people who are there, born again, on their way to heaven, 
The agenda of these false ministries is to deceive even them. Amen? In conclusion, I want to read to you Acts chapter 18, verse 24 to 26. Have you enjoyed this series? Has it been useful for you? Okay. So I want to read this to you because I believe what we need in this nation, we need ministers who are humble and ministers who are teachable, regardless of how gifted they are. And I want to encourage us to do so. And there's someone in the book of Acts who was a brilliant example of this. Let's remain teachable. Let's be yielding. And this is a guy called Apollos. Apollos. Not Paul. Apollos. Okay. Acts chapter 18, verse 24 to 26. It says, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man. So intellectual, smart guy, like some of you here, okay? With a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. So he was an intellectual, but at the same time also thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor. So he was gifted as a preacher. Wonderful combo, right? And taught about Jesus accurately. So he was sound in how he taught about Jesus. Then he goes on to say, though he knew only the baptism of John. You can be gifted, you can be intellectual, you can be thorough in your knowledge of the word, but still have gaps. And there will always be someone out there who knows about a particular subject more than you. Amen? Now watch this. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila, Priscilla was a lady, by the way. In ancient times, they would actually put the person's name first, who was actually more influential in that situation. So those of you who are against women in ministry, just go and study the life of Priscilla and Aquila. The husband was Aquila. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. And he received. Because afterwards he was then sent out and went to other places and continued ministering. Amen? Be very careful. Be very careful of people who think they know too much. The more I study and the more I learn, the more I realize there's a whole lot of stuff I don't know. And I don't mind who teaches me. It can be someone in this congregation it can be someone outside the things I don't know. Amen? Never get to a place where you think you know too much. I also want to leave you with this word. Be patient. Pastors out there, be patient when it comes to church growth. Do you think we don't want this church to be bigger than it currently is? But be patient. There's always a cost. Get into the word. Paul, you can come up and start playing. Get into the word. Seek God's face. Say to the Lord, Lord, that person I prayed for, why were they not healed in the same way that you would lay hands on people and they would be healed or you just commanded? And then study because maybe there's a gap in you, the minister. I remember my wife preaching on this some time back. Amen. Jesus wants to heal. So when people aren't being healed, we need to ask ourselves that question. Is there a gap in me? Is there something I need to learn as a minister of the gospel? Amen? Don't become impatient when it comes to success in ministry. Don't get into the flesh. I pray that we would have a nation. We would have a nation that knows the true gospel. We'll have a nation that can spot, oh, that's, that's false there. Oh, these guys are trying to augment their ministry here. I pray that we will be a people that remain sound in the word of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we commit ourselves to you this morning. 
And we commit Go Christian Church and all the Go Christian Churches. And we ask, Lord, that you preserve us and that you protect us as a ministry. That we would never become a false ministry. That, Lord, we would always remain true to your word. And, Father, we pray that where we've got blind spots, where there are things that we can't even see, Father, may you expose these things. May you teach us. You've said in your word that the Holy Spirit will be our teacher and will guide us. The Spirit of truth will guide us into all truth. So we ask that you help us. And God, we pray this morning for this nation. And we pray for all those who are in places and ministries that they ought not to be in. We pray for all those who are being deceived right now. That you would just remove the scales off their eyes. And that they would see clearly the truth. We pray for those who are being abused right now in false ministries. That they would rise up from that emotional and spiritual abuse. And in many cases, sexual abuse. And say, enough is enough. Father, we pray for all those who are being taken advantage of right now and exploited, that they would see your truth. And so, God, we commit ourselves to you. And we commit this wonderful church and wonderful people to you. We ask for your grace in this area, even as we've preached on it and spoken so much about it. We ask for your grace in this area, that you would cover us. And you would help us. Lord, as we correct others, we choose to do it gently, lest we ourselves fall in the same area. Come and have your way, Lord. Let nothing that was preached in this series be robbed from your people. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. And the people of God said, Amen and Amen. Hey, E-Family, online family, that was a great message, wasn't it? We really want to fill the globe with all this teaching. Our passion is to raise leaders and release reformers. So if you want to tap into more of these teachings, you can go to www.gochurch.co.za and I think you'll really be refreshed and reformed as you go through our materials. Well, if you enjoyed that message, click subscribe and also share with your friends, with your enemies. Don't forget... We've got the live feed that takes place 9.30 every Sunday morning.